What's better than Anchor's podcast creation tools? Nothing. Mankind has always searched for evidence of God's perfection, and we found it. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place for free, which you can use straight from your phone or computer. The creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the lesser of the podcast platforms like Stitcher. You can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I've made $5, and I've been doing this for three months. So, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is a warning that sometimes there might be inappropriate language, whether it comes from the book we're reviewing or us uh, uh, lightly peppering in some swears in the conversation. We don't normally go crazy, but sometimes it happens, so keep that in mind if you've got a little kid or if you're just really uh, fussy. But uh, either way, don't let that hinder you from enjoying the book, boys. You gonna start or what? Me? What? Oh, you're talking to the clock. There we go. All right. That's a big old timer, Ben. It is. That thing's huge. Down to the thousandth of a second. You need that, though. Yeah. I need that. Do you? Yeah, I totally do. I don't think you do. Nice. <laughs> Can you see that from yeah. here? Yeah, I got it. God, that's huge. It is huge. Are you going to take over our social media, then? Figure this shit out, because I can't. For Nuzzle House Audiobook Network? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what we're going by right now. Oh god, I love that name so much. <laughs> it's a little uh, long and awkward. It is. I mean, yeah, I can I can try to figure that out. I guess it, it can't be that hard. Oh, there's a worm on my table. Ooh, you that told me I thing. had to worry about flies, not worms. Yeah, that thing's got big antenna and everything. Is it? Oh, is it? We'll zap it. No, I'm like a zap. It's just a harmless worm. That thing's not flying around trying to get in my mouth and stuff. It's just sitting there. The flies are trying to get in your mouth. <laughs> yeah. I'm convinced they, they're trying to get my mouth. They don't <laughs> do that to me, but that's... Uh, they get all of your food. They touch you on your nostrils. Drives me crazy. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm a fan of flies, but I just didn't <laughs> think that they're trying to get into my mouth. <laughs> the way you describe it, it sounds like uh, paranoid or something. A little bit. Nope. Uh, all right. See, that's my gimmick. Uh, no, you, show, I like it. you show Book I Boys at the I, end. I kind of braced myself for that. Okay. Yeah, I, I scream Ben throughout the show. Yeah. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to stick to the format. Okay. I'm going to do a brief overview of the chapter. Wait, the format? No form- details. Doesn't the format start with us asking each other about our respective weeks? All right, fine, Ben. How was your week? Are you it actually going to talk about it? Yeah, I actually have something to talk about for yeah. once. Uh, Just to let everyone know, yeah. uh, this is something he made a big, big deal out of keeping secret for weeks and weeks and weeks. I don't know, not that many weeks, but go ahead, Ben. Finally let the world know what they were held back from knowing all this time. I got a new job. <laughs> I'm pretty happy about it. I, uh, when you would ask me about my weeks previously, that would the uh, search for a new job was consuming most of my free time. Uh-huh. Didn't want to talk about it. I know, and that was the part that killed me, was that... 
Well, because other I, things go on in your life besides the job hunt. Yeah, not much. But like you, like that was all so consuming for you. That'd be like, do you want to talk about your week? Like, no, I don't want to talk about it. I'm like, there's other things. Like, did you take a bath? I mean, anything else besides the job? Oh, hunt? you want to talk about my bathing? Habit. That's. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that's what you're getting at the whole time. But ever since you learned about what kind of body wash I use and stuff, I just sort of feel like we kind of know each other a little bit better about that kind of thing. Yeah, and I'm still not comfortable with that. All right, fine. So you probably don't want to say where you work. But, uh, or what your work does. You don't, Ben. Ben, don't. I can see your mouth open. Stop. You don't want to give that kind of detail out. Should I talk about where I'm leaving? And what they do? Do you want to? It's a collection agency. (laughs) And, uh, I'm pleased to be leaving the industry. (laughs) So what kind of collection? Because I've never really asked you exactly. Debt collection. Yeah. So you don't, you're not like Repo Man where you go repo their cars? No, it's all phone and mail stuff. Oh, okay. Just Does anyone ever cry? Yeah. It's <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Like, I I was with the company for about six and a half years. I started on the phones as a collector. Which is what was that like? Awful. I, it, Can you give me an example of the, maybe like the most outstanding experience in your mind or something that hung, that's hung with you? A little PTSD from or something? Or is that too private? Well, that's no, that's a, that was a while ago, question. and I think I've tried to forget most of that stuff. Mm. I didn't do it for that long, but that's how I started there. But um, yeah, yeah, so people cry. I was the client that we had that I was working for was mm. was all healthcare debt. Ooh. So and you'd get like really bad stories sometimes, like yeah, like this two thousand dollar bill that I can't pay. Yeah, it's for my child who died, oh. and like, how are you supposed to? I'm literally closing my eyes. Yeah. That was bad. And it's, you know, and you try to be mm-hmm. empathetic or whatever, but it's... But no matter how empathetic, you always have to end the sentence with, but when are you going to pay us? <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. You, they coach you on that. Like, well, you have, really? to be, you have to be careful, but remind them that the doctors did their job. Oh, And they boy. still owe this money. It's, oh, my it's, Lord. Uh, it's problematic. Yeah. And so then just, you moved out, out of that position. Do you want to say what other position you worked at while you were there? I don't know how much you want to keep secret. Uh, what's the, how do you be discreet about this kind of thing? I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I did that for a little bit, and then I was in the client service department, interacting with the clients. Mm-hmm. And then I was in marketing for the last three years. Okay. And now I'm going to be how doing do you marketing. Market that? Well, we acquire clients. So a like, common misconception. We'll make them cry less, and we'll get your money quicker. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, pretty much. Really? Yeah. Because <laughs> a common misconception I think people have is that the collection agency owns the debt, mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily the case. So oh, really? we're not a debt buyer. The original creditor still owns the debt. So mm. the marketing, it's all B2B and B2G marketing, oh, trying to get okay. more clients to place their debt with us so we can collect on it. Do you have, like, do graphic design for that marketing? Like, it shows, like, a person with a headset smiling and the person on the other side of the phone, like, giving a thumbs up? Kind of, actually, yeah. <laughs> really? I, I think we're a little more creative than that, but, yeah, that's, you know. That's <laughs> How do you get more creative than that? Well, what? we would work trade shows and stuff, and that was part of my role was I would go to trade shows and dress in silly costumes sometimes. Yeah, that's right. And Didn't then you we dress would have like a Yeti or something? I did, yeah. What was the Yeti time for a collection agency? And a pirate? Yeah. That's not good for a collection agency. <laughs> and people have fun with it. There's no direct tie-in with collections necessarily. It's just we did a theme for our booth, and then we did, you know, a huh. post-show mailing campaign or whatever, and just tie it all together. It's just to get attention, and sure. people have a little fun with it. So Okay. 
Yeah. I didn't know it was that. I never really asked. I don't know why I never asked. Well, because you were saving it for this. I guess so, yeah. Yeah. Even years ago, I was like, save it for the show. Well, it's... You're like, what show? Like, it's the show, Ben. We'll we'll know it when the time is upon us. Yeah, so now I'll be uh, doing marketing in a different industry, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, one that's less... uh, hurtful yeah one that has, yeah, people have a better impression of i would say it's, a, it's a consumer wanna, good so i don't want to poop on your old job or anything just in case any of them are listening but uh yeah ouch yeah it's a bad ouch, and ouch. i don't have anything bad really to say about the company in particular it was fine mm-hmm. a lot of good people there um, yeah but i'm glad to be moving on <laughs> good i could tell you about my work uh, my week yeah uh my daughter and i were driving in the car and completely randomly, I said, do you think they got any T-shirts you can buy that have, like, a really cool-looking frog wearing sunglasses and, like, kind of reclining in a lounge chair? And then it just says, fuck yeah on it. And I was joking. And then she said, I'll bet you that they have a shirt like that. And so she started looking up on the internet. So you use that sort of language around your children? I do use that kind of language on my children. She's okay. 14. That's she's swearing now. It's just uh Well, I... Doesn't surprise me given the example you've set for her. <laughs> they all swear at fourteen, Ben. I didn't. You didn't? Yeah, of course I did. I was gonna say. Yeah. I was swearing in the third grade. Well, I don't think I remember hearing my parents swear around me at that age. Uh, I think they. My parents did a little bit. Yeah. I could never repeat what they said, but they'd swear around me. Yeah. But um, okay. my rule is, you can never swear at someone if you're angry. It's only as jokes. So that's kind of my thing. So that way okay. you can never like scream the f word or whatever. Why well, I'm saying the f word now? I just said fuck yeah just a minute ago. Anyways, the point is, she started looking it up, and she's like, I found a shirt that says, like, like fucking good times, and it shows, like, a moose that's really happy, and I'm like, no, that's not good enough. And then, um, and then, uh, so then we were going back and forth, back and forth, finally we get back home, and she's still looking it up, and then she said, uh, I found a place that you can hire a freelancer to draw you anything that you tell them to draw for a certain amount of money, and I'm like, you're kidding me. And she said, no. And she said, so here's an example. And she found this guy that does like, it's this, I don't know what the website is, but it's this website where it's like all different kinds of freelancers. And this guy does like caricature. He's like a caricature artist. So it's super goofy looking. And um, he had like a big uh, like ape with sunglasses giving thumbs up. And I'm like, now that's the style I'm looking for. Okay. I have actually paid $40 for another man to draw something that I could just draw myself. And, um... The best part is, if I can pull it up really quick here, this is the description my daughter wrote to give this person. Okay. Uh, and we already paid the $40, and so then the person's going to, like, draw it, and then we get, like, revisions and stuff. It says, frog t-shirt. I would like to make a frog character that is relaxing on a pool floaty chair. I want the frog to be wearing sunglasses and floral swim shorts. He should be holding a fruity cocktail with a parasol in one hand, and in the other hand, I want him holding a jewel, like the (laughs) e-cigarette. It should be apparent that he's relaxing. (laughs) I would like the word fuck to be above and yeah to be below in bold black letters. I would like to get this design printed on a gray t-shirt, blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah, she wrote that up. Okay. I love that it also says... Uh, it should be apparent that he is relaxing. <laughs> well, well, which I think is crucial, actually, given that 
it's supposed to say fuck yeah, which <laughs> might make it seem like the frog should be enthusiastic, but it's, if it's supposed to be relaxing, yeah, I think it's a Yeah, that's that true. Up. You don't want them jumping through the air. So when can we expect to see some uh, deliverables on this project? Well, Ben, here's the best part about this. Yeah. So as we are joking about doing this, and then actually paid someone to draw it, because I just love the idea of paying another person to draw it, and that we're going to give feedback to him. I don't know. Can you make his glasses a little bit more like tits? And so um, we go through this whole process. We're going to get it printed up on shirts. And I'm going to get a lot of shirts so that anytime people come over, they have to wear the house shirt. <laughs> awesome. Anytime, anytime they have friends sleep over and stuff, we're going to have nice big T-shirts that they can wear to bed. Uh, if you have friends just hanging out, when you come over to do the podcast, you're going to have to wear the I, fuck yeah shirt. I better. Yeah. But okay. you have to leave it here. That's the thing. <laughs> you yeah. can never walk out with it. Okay. And it's got to be like thoroughly washed with like a be like my own laundry service whenever people come over and stuff. So I'm going to have a house shirt. I am looking forward to this. A really cool frog. It says okay. fuck yeah. Anyway, what's the timetable on that? Uh, the design's coming Thursday, and then we're going to sit down and pick, like, uh, I told my girlfriend, like, yeah, whenever you stay over, you're going to have a house shirt to wear. And she goes, I'm going to need a V-neck or, like, a big scoop neck. That's more comfortable for sleeping. And okay. I was like, oh, boy. I was just thinking a bunch of tank tops, but apparently I could have really planned this one out. <laughs> so uh, I'm getting a muscle tee. Okay. Uh, you, I don't know if you have a preference, classic T-shirt, maybe want a V-neck. It'll show a little bit of that chest hair. I'm well, it's not that you're going to have a variety pack, and I'll just wear a different one each time, right? I'm not going to be assigned a specific shirt. I just right, pick fine. one from the pile, don't I? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> the pile. I love if I just had this bin. Grab a shirt. Yeah. Uh, I'll you know get to the bathroom and change. I'll see you in five minutes. It'll be in one of those like mesh bags like from junior high gym class where they kept all oh, the uh, little yeah. the things that colored. Yep, those jersey weird things. jersey things yeah. that people have to wear when they're doing teams. Yeah, yeah. So that's my week. Chapter 11. Yep. Now, this is the format that we're freaking sticking to. Okay. We are going to... I'm going to go over it really briefly. Briefly. And you're not going to get mad at me and interrupt like you did last time and the time before that and the time before that and the time before that. Just well, a brief wait, overview and then we We've detail. established that as the format, though. You're going to try and go over it briefly. I'm going to interrupt. That's the <laughs> format that we've established <laughs> here, isn't it? <clears throat> Will still has problems with his hand. He's losing a lot of blood. And... That, that was actually. Yes, oh, Lyra. <laughs> to have the Golden Compass check out his mom and dad. Then the children of Sitagazi show up, throwing rocks and stuff. I was going to say my first note on this chapter is still bleeding. Mm hmm. I know. That sums sad. it up. That And it turns out that sums up the rest of the book. Pretty it much. That's pretty much it. From here on out, it's just constantly bleeding all the time. And trying to get him to stop bleeding unsuccessfully. Yeah, because witches try to do spell on yeah. him and stuff, and even that doesn't work. So. Uh, Go on. Well, I was going to say, the two main themes of the last third of this book for me. Still bleeding. Mm-hmm. No bears. I was surprised. I was thinking, like, in the last couple chapters, like, Lee scores me well, or whatever. He's going to bring a bear over on his on his thing. But no, nope, nothing. And there was a passage where they're describing this army that uh, Azrael's gathering for his war in heaven. And there was a bunch of fantastical beasts in there. No <laughs> <Yep>. bears. <laughs> Not a single bear. Anyway. Sorry, sorry. Oh, what's I, happening? I think I just inhaled some of my own spit, and so now I'm just coughing up a lung. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, I you know you were, you're breaking I, the format. I broke the format. No, I I'm got sorry. through it, so now we get to talk about it. So oh, that you're, was you're brief. Actually oh, doing you actually form. did brief. That was brief. Okay. Sorry. I interrupt because sometimes I think you go into too much detail. <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts on uh, Will 
saying at one point, maybe they're not called specters. Maybe we call them something else was something that he said at one point. Yeah. What do you think that's supposed to mean? Why is it nothing gets nailed down? Are demons souls? We thought so. Uh, and then all of a sudden they're kind of not. We're not sure. Well, but he was just talking about that in reference to his mother, right? Yeah, because, um, well, now we're probably jumping ahead, but... Yeah, who cares? <laughs> his mother wasn't crazy. She saw that the other kids in Sitagazi would run around touching stuff as they got older. Was it that one kid, I forget, Tulo or whatever? He was what? running around touching stuff as a way of keeping the specters from getting at him because he was old enough now that he... Yeah, that's the reason why he and then they the got him anyway. Yeah, and they got him anyways. But his mom would do that because he admits later in a different chapter... His mom would make him that the two of them would go out to a park and like touch everything in the park. Yeah, like all the stones and the stone yeah, fence and leaves or whatever. in the bushes and all that kind of stuff. Is that real or is that Will just rationalizing his mother's mental illness? I don't know. This book isn't know. that complicated. I think when they when they show Tulo or whatever his name is doing it and his mom doing it, that's the tie in. I think Probably. it's kind of a done deal. Okay. I mean, I'd be really impressed if all of a sudden there was that much nuance in this book where you're just like, well, oh. it turns out his mom was just crazy and it was the a coincidence. Word subtle is in the title. So maybe there's some nuance. <laughs> Why do they call it the subtle knife? Do they say, and I missed it? Why subtle in this world? Um, they all reference it as the subtle knife. It's because it's so sharp. You don't even know. Like, Will lost two fingers without even noticing it because that's how sharp and subtle that knife is. I know, I suppose. You know that that knife cuts so dang well that they literally can't get it to stop bleeding. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, When Will asks Lyra to have the golden compass, tell him about his mom first, then his dad. Uh, So she looks at the mom, basically says, your mom's fine. And then what what does she find out about the dad? Does she ever look at the dad? That part I missed. I mean, I just forgot. I read it, but I forgot it. I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. (laughs) What was the question? Lyra was supposed to use the golden compass to look up Will's mom and dad. Oh, yeah. She says, your mom's fine. Your dad, I forgot what she says about the dad. Or did she even See, look I don't up think she dad? looked. I think she just looked at the mom because that's all that Will asked for. And I think she was going to mm-hmm. look to see how Will's dad was doing. But then she didn't because Will didn't specifically ask her to. I think Will only asked about his mom. I have a couple of quotes from this chapter, though, from mm-hmm. chapter 11. Um, Lyra was talking to Angelica. Is that somebody? Anyway. Mm. I should have killed her yesterday. These are brutal kids. Lyra Which kids is are saying regretting that? not uh, killing. Oh, it's uh, uh, oh. She was talking about Angelica, who is uh, Tulio's uh, little sister. Oh, okay. And because uh, that's when all the kids, the pack of kids, were chasing Lyra and Will. Yeah, in this chapter, because they blamed them for uh, Tulio's death when the spectre, or not death, but right. the specters. Yeah, the specters are actually able to, because they pushed him off the tower. Yeah, but it's just kind of brutal. Like, Lyra said, I should have killed her yesterday, and she meant it, too. She regrets not murdering that little girl. I know. This is a brutal book. And, and they then, really point out, like, the kids in this book, they make them as brutal as possible. Oh, so this vicious, whole yeah. scene where the children are chasing after... So, uh, Lyra and Will are, like, hanging out in a villa, relaxing, trying to get his hand to stop bleeding. Unsuccessfully. Been forever, yeah. And then um, Lyra sees about 40 or 50 kids come charging after them. Yep. So they uh, debate opening up a portal. And then this part I got confused on where Will said, like, well, all we'd be doing is opening up a portal to my house. Why that matters, I don't know. And I guess location-specific. Well, <laughs> it's like, yeah, so, so the wherever they are in City Gazi mm-hmm. corresponds to somewhere in Will's Oxford. And you can't just open up a window and go through it without looking because... 
mm-hmm. you're going to be in the middle of the street or something and get hit by a truck or yeah. be in uh, Boreal's house. And then oh, when sure. they went up, they he tried to open one when they were running away from his kids, but they had mm-hmm. gone up a hill. So when he opened the window, it was like 30 feet off the ground in Oxford, and they would have oh, got it, got it, um, been okay. injured. So, yeah, there's, there's an art to it. Okay, so that explains why he won't open the portal, because I made that as a note. Uh, they decide to run away to some weird temple instead of the woods, and it's a dead end. Uh, the main kid's got a gun, and he's just shooting it. Yep. He's <laughs> just wildly firing and, yeah. at them, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, at this temple, uh, and then Will cuts the staircase away, and this is where it gets all brutal. This is where the the author uh, really goes out of his way to just kill a lot of kids because the staircase yeah. falls on the kids, and there's blood and plaster and stuff everywhere. Yeah, and kid, yeah, so they're trying to go up this like iron stairway mm-hmm. to get to Letter and Will, and yeah, Will just cuts away the staircase. It crushes a bunch of kids, and the other kids that aren't crushed like still are like clamoring up the walls to try and. That's the thing, and I even had to go um, reread that. They basically they're making they like a human ladder. Yeah, they create yeah. a human ladder. So suddenly it yeah. becomes this like completely abstract, weird thing where it's like, "Hey, fellas!" And then they start like creating eight shapes with their bodies. <laughs> like, yeah, and they all link together. And next thing you know, they become a ladder with like rungs mm, and everything. Yeah, pretty much. The kid at the gun gets Will. Will cuts out swords from the railing for him and Lyra mm. to defend themselves. So this knife can craft. Sculpt swords out of well, things. Well, he didn't sculpt swords. He just cut away pieces of this railing that were sword length. Turned it into swords. Yeah. So, all right. Fine. Are we? No. Gonna... So, well, I'm just saying there are still like round, like pipe light objects, apparently, but just the length of a sword. Fine. They didn't have sharp edges. Seraphina's goose floats there... in. Oh, you're not going to debate that point. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, and there's witches everywhere. And yeah, Seraphina, uh, this is a quote from the book. She came at just the right time, didn't she? <laughs> yeah, I yep. know. <laughs> just so, pretty amazing. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, all the little uh, dirty kids think that it's a new kind of specter because they've never seen arrows before or uh, witches before. The thing that I didn't realize until this chapter, I didn't know that witches shot arrows. Oh, yeah. Which seems weird. They're witches. You think they would be like magic wanding the hell out of things, but they're shooting arrows. Yeah. And that I was like, oh, why does that seem weirdly deflating to me? They'd be mm. almost as if they. They can still fly. I mean, what, how much do you need from these witches? I don't know, something cooler. They're prolific on. lovers, we've established. <laughs> no. Yeah, that comes up in a quote uh, later. Yeah. Uh, chapter 12. Uh-huh. Screen language. Yeah. Is the title of that one. It is. It's all about Dr. Malone. It is. Wanting to get money to keep her thing afloat. Uh, Sir Charles steps in to say, I'll keep your program afloat if you give Papa what he wants. She what says, does Papa want? Well, Tell gonna... me what Papa wants, Glenn. <laughs> wants to know where Will and Lyra are. And he also wants to uh, cr- uh, get the con- the project to concentrate on the manipulation of consciousness. And he woos her with defense uh, spending. Yep. <laughs> uh, Which she's not too keen on, but her colleague, uh, Oliver, he's, yeah. he's on board. Yeah, he's on board. He wants all in. And Mary says no to the whole thing. She goes to the cave, the computer, and talks to it. And it talks back. And that's the uh, overview for that. So, well, oh, do we want to get into like their well before the tent? Do we want to talk about the conversation she had? I just did the overview, so now we can. Oh, okay. A format, Ben. Stick to the format, Ben. What (laughs) what does Papa want? (laughs) Was it Papa or Daddy? What did? What did Papa wants to uh, give Baby Bones a uh, defense spending? Spending? You're throwing me off. 
when I hear you say Papa, it just kind of weirds me out. Yeah. My skin tingles. Especially when I look at you like this. Yeah, I know. This is why I'm not making eye contact yeah, right now. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> 35,000 years is still a big number they keep throwing around in this chapter. Uh, she's thinking that whatever happened to make the human brain ideal to amplify dark matter happened then. Uh, and thinks that dark matter is conscious. Well, didn't they, like, spell out specifically that's when humanity gained a high enough level of consciousness? Yeah, but then, you know, specifically, why does that... What is it about dark matter loving that so much that that's the big period there where it starts to gather around people and you gotta drill holes in your head? Uh, the people looking for Will and Lara work for the government. Um, I got a note that says Dr. Payne tells Mary that that is her last day. Sir Charles steps in. Anyway, I think the big thing is Dr. Malone is talking to the dust computer. That is the big point of the chapter. She walks in, and I even wrote this down. It says, ask a question. Yeah. She asked. So she had basically rewritten the program for this computer so it would output words. I didn't catch that part that she actually did that. When I was reading that, I thought, oh, it just suddenly kicked in now? Like she didn't have to No, she had to stay up all night or whatever rewriting the program. That's She had the encounter with the security guard who Mm. wasn't going to let her in the building, and she talked her way in. And now it talks. Booted it up into the uh, the cave, and yeah, it told her to ask a question. So she asked some questions, and um, dust is angels. Uh, there's uncountable billions of them. Yeah, hanging around. Uh, she asks if the angels intervened in human evolution. Says yes. She says why, and it says one word. Ben, do you know what that word is? Vengeance. Oh, look at that! You actually read the book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I'm the one who gets all the the details that you miss. Mm-hmm. Anyways, okay. when Doctor Malone tries to get the confirmation about whether that alleged war was actually real, the war between the heaven uh, between the angels and God that they uh, talk about in this conversation, the angel just says that she needs to go find Will and Lyra, and says you must play the serpent. Yeah, so that's a reference to the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Um, also, which we didn't really pick up on before, but. Uh, Charles, a.k.a. Lord Boreal, his demon is a serpent. Oh, yeah, that's right. So that's well, pr- well, that's well. probably significant. That's true. Yeah. Maybe. Because as we find out later, uh, well, let's not give away all the, okay. all the treats in one shot. Um, they say get ready for a long journey. She's got to go to a tent on Sunderland Avenue. She goes to the tent. She has to buy it. She has to talk past the security guard. She gets in, and inside the tent is... A portal to Sitagazi. The one that Will had found originally. Yeah. That so got him to, yeah. So. Apparently the government's already learned about it and has tried to protect people from wandering through it. Yeah. Although they're not trying that hard because she talked her way past this guard without too much difficulty. Yeah, there might have been angel intervention. She she made, well, she made a fake ID with her, <laughs> like a library card of her coworker. <laughs> yeah. And just changed the name from Oliver to Olive. <laughs> and uh, put a different picture on there, and the guy's like, oh, okay. Just mm-hmm. as long as you're not Dr. Mary Malone, because I'm supposed to stop her. Yeah, they did go out of the way to point that out, which I thought when was When I saw funny. you were a lady, I was suspicious, but everything seems on the up and up. Yeah, I love that. I was just like, okay, we get it. We get it. Let's move on. <laughs> it's just like it's good. that conversation dragged out for much longer than it probably needed to. Yeah. Also, the uh, the conversation that uh, Dr. Malone has had with the, the cave dust computer ended with the computer instructing her to destroy the equipment. Oh, yeah, that's right. And so she's just got to trust that whatever's talking through the computer is something you should believe in. Yeah. So she just went all in.
Chapter 13. Yeah. Yes. Do you know how to pronounce it, Ben? It's got two of those weird AE characters. What did we call those? There's a name for that. You actually knew what it was because you were being big time fancy boy. since forgotten. Yeah. Um, I don't remember either. Should we look it up? Ash. Was it Ash? So what's it called, Ben? Ash. (laughs) (laughs) Took the time to look that up. Anyway, there's uh, two of those in this word. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, how's Ash? Eh? Is that how you... Well, like Caesar. I always thought it was E. E, so it's just E. Isaiter. All right, whatever. Yeah, and then there's... there's, The word ends with T-T-R. There should be a vowel in there. The witches cast the spells to help Will's hand. Also, just... I, I'm sorry. This word. <laughs> this book... The format, Ben. <laughs> yeah, but... You're ruining the format again. A lot of times with fantasy works, there's all sorts of weird names, and that makes it a little bit... Sure. ...annoying to read. This book isn't like that. The characters are named Will and yeah. John, and mm-hmm. Lyra is like the weirdest name. This highly important uh, device crafted that can cut through... Any type of matter, even microscopic. Yeah. Subtle knife. Yeah, but then they throw this <laughs> stupid word in here. <clears throat> yeah, which... Anyways, that's just the name of the chapter. Yeah. Which well, is a cast of spell... Which is a cast of spell... I mean, we're not done with that word. It keeps coming up. Mm-hmm. We'll we're, talk about it as the chapter goes on. What are the witches doing? Tell me about the witches. They're trying to cast spells to help Will's hand. The Alethium Air tells Lyra that they should head towards the distant mountains. Alethiometer. Oh, God dang it. <laughs> Lyra has been... Why he licked Will's fingers is a big one for me. Uh, Will thinks that the specters came from his world, and he gives an example. Uh, that's getting back to talking about his mom, right? Yeah, that's what we talked about earlier. The witches yeah. and Will and Lyra move through the world of Sitagazi. Uh Witches see a balloon with two guys in it. Cliff gas fall from the sky. Seraphina declines the opportunity to meet up with Lord Azrael and join his cause. All right. They use a potion on Will's hand and to show that it works. Yeah, the witches. Sorry, I'm at the beginning. They use a potion on his hand, and to show that it works, they slice open a bunny. Yep. And then pour the potion on it, it just heals right back up. Yeah, put it back together, and yeah, the bunny hops away. So like, oh, the potion's ready. Let's use it on Will. Yeah, so this is kind of like using any kind of, like, product that you see on TV. And then uh, they always have to show, like, how it can clean anything off your dish. Look, and they have extreme, or, like, the vacuum cleaner can clean up ink. Off your carpet. Yeah. Basically, they did the same thing with a bunny. Pretty much. Okay. And then, uh, which seems like it's a pretty potent potion, because it brought this bunny back to life. Still can't stop Will's can't hand start, from yeah, bleeding, though. Because that magical knife cuts so well that you can't even coagulate blood, much less a potion can do anything about it. But there must be some way to stop it, because that old man who was the keeper of the knife, he... Mm-hmm. He wasn't bleeding all over the place. He had lost his fingers. Yeah, that'd be one of those inconsistencies in this book that we kind of find all over the place. Or do they I just... bet you the next book just kind of tack on some stuff, just like we saw at the beginning of this book. Well, they just have to find some blood moss, don't they? <laughs> that's what they use in Lyra's world to uh, heal yeah, wounds. I think they need some blood moss. Uses. His dad kind of shows up later yeah. and gives that to him. But all right, Ben. Uh, the alethiometer. 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 You had it there, and then you thought you didn't. Dang just, it. <laughs> Just be confident in yourself. You had it. Uh, the lithiometer says, go to the mountains, but the witches say we should go uh, get Will to his dad. So do you think that the uh, golden compass is being run by these angels that are trying to keep them on task and the witches are not staying on task? Is that what's happening here? Basically, the angels are losing their control of getting Lyra to do what she's supposed to do for them? Yeah, it seems like it. All right. 
Leader says, hey, Pan, why'd you lick his fingers? Will's fingers. Pan goes, ah, he looked like he needed it. Yeah, he needed it. Because <laughs> that bothered us so much in the previous chapter, like, or the previous chapters. We're like, ah, weird. Your demon licked his fingers? That seems weird, right? And they yeah. sort of address it, but not really in this yeah. chapter. Um, the the cliff guest. Mm-hmm. Was that in this chapter they they fall from the sky? Yeah, and they were kind of talking to each other. Or is that um, in a later chapter that the cliff guests are talking? Well, when the witches see the the balloons and stuff, and they fly out there, um, it was Ruda. So she's flying through the air, killing cl- cliff gas. Ruta Skadi, the Latvian witch queen. Yeah, and yeah, I love that in when... this chapter that the there's like a wise old cliff ghast. Like mm. I, I thought these were just like flying beasts that were more animal. I'm not even sure what they are. Well, they described it. They had like leathery skin, but also fur. Oh, so I don't know. They... What are they like an orc? I don't get it. I, yeah, I don't know. But there was was it Ruta that overheard them talking. Um, well, yeah, he was, like, doing the calculus for this battle. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, Azrael's got a pretty impressive army he's putting together here. But on the other hand, you got God. Um, <laughs> I think Azrael's going to win. And this is a big thing for me so he wants far it more. Because uh, also, uh, well, in this one thing I wanted to point out was after Ruta shows up, killing Cliff Gas, uh, she says she followed the angels to Lord Azrael's fortress. She's shocked that he built it so quickly. And then she fucked him. Yeah, and then like then also he's got this crazy like this huge uh, army assembled from multiple universes is what I was getting from that. Yeah, I think so. But okay. no bears, no bears. But then but there are bears there. We we weren't talking about for some reason. But why would we not talk about the bears if there's bears there? I know. Does the third book have a bear at all? Because the second one they're just gone from the whole story. Better. But the sex, yeah. I wrote down the line. Uh, every witch there knew what had happened next, and neither Will nor Lyra, Lyra dreamed of it, so Rita Skeedy had no need to tell, and yeah. she went on. That's how they say that she had sex with them. Yep. You just don't even have to talk about it, because everyone knows that's what happened. This guy's unstoppable. Yeah. He literally gets This guy laid, being gets Lord Azra. I didn't know if you meant Lord Azra or the author of Philip like Pullman. crazy. Yeah. Uh, builds fortresses in no time, can assemble an army. He's literally well, going to fight God. He's just unstoppable. Women are literally, they can't control themselves around this guy. Well, they're, yeah. No, which is. But then you say he built this fortress in no time. Yeah. But actually, mm-hmm. they think he somehow controls time. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to try and kill God, you better have a handle on things like space-time and yeah. so. <laughs> everything. Uh, all right, so um, one thing I pointed out is doesn't... Oh, um, well, Serafina declines the opportunity to meet up with Lord Azrael, um, saying it's her duty to guide Will to his father. She talks with Rita uh, off to the side and says, Boy, I really wish I could join up with that rebellion. And what I pointed out was, why isn't anyone weirded out about the idea of killing God? Because God sounds like an asshole. A lot of people want to kill. Like the angels want to kill him. Like what? Yeah, is what life sort be of better under the this angels? God. I don't. That's the part I don't like. Everyone's just. No one knows the full story. They yeah. know about the angels going to war with God and then losing yeah. and falling, and so they hear the angels' side of the story, which is we want to get rid of the person who's ruling over everything. And everyone's just like, great. No one thinks, like, well, can we trust them? Is the world going to be much better under the angels? They don't really flesh any of that out for me. So I don't understand why people are just like, yeah, I want to be on their side. I, Yeah, they don't flesh it out, but I, God must be a real jerk. Alamo Gulch, chapter 14. Yep. <laughs> John Perry and Lee Scoresby are go to Setagazi. Uh, they wind up getting in a fight with Zeppelins and other balloons. 
and then Lee Scoresby goes to the gulch between two mountains to fight off the last battle to let uh, John go off and find his son. Sacrifices his life. Yep. And he summoned uh, Serafina yeah, with the magic flower. Happened. Boy, he did it too late. He was already close to And that's my favorite part death. because I think it's in the next chapter where they have her going, yeah, Lee Scoresby's calling me for some reason. Yep. As I if she got a text, is, she's gotta, like, yeah. oh, we're going to get a text from Lee Scoresby. I should probably go see what's going on. But yeah, at the very last minute as he's dying, he pulls out the little flower because his, uh, is it a rabbit? His demon rabbit? Yeah, um, a hare. A hare, fine. Hester? Um, says, yeah, don't you remember you got that flower she gave you and you're supposed to call on her whenever you need her? And he goes, oh, yeah, that's right. So he calls on her and then like yeah. shoots a few more people. And Oh, and he it does a scene weird. just like out of Saving Private Ryan where um, as he's dying, he's got one bullet left and he shoots it. Saving Private Ryan shoots it at a tank, which blows up as you find out an airplane swooped down and dropped a bomb on the tank. But he thinks he blew it up with his little gun. He does that to an entire Zeppelin. Yeah. <laughs> he shoots at the Zeppelin with his gun and blows it up. I missed the details on that. Did they explain how it was able to blow up an entire Zeppelin? Well, it might bullet? be like what you just described, described in Saving Private Ryan was because he was a little surprised. It seemed like, didn't he say something? The bullet must have been really hot or something. Yeah. So. But it know. wasn't like John was there to do more lightning bolts to blow them up. So it wasn't the, I don't know. But anyways, Lee C. Spectres. John says the Spectres feast as vampires, feast on blood, but the Spectres food is attention. Uh, a conscious and informed interest in the world, the immaturity of children is less attractive to them. So, a conscious and informed interest in the world. I'm, I'm a little lost on what specters are feeding. Like, why are I you... also find children unattractive, so I can relate to the specters. <laughs> <laughs> why are they feeding off of attention and a conscious and informed interest in the world? I That part I'm lost on. Does it make sense to you? It just seems like a vague statement to make to me. I mean, it... it... It's like saying, I'm attracted to vitality. <laughs> it doesn't make much sense. Um, there was a, a quote in this chapter. Uh, Grumman was talking to Scoresby. Mm-hmm. For a human being, nothing comes naturally. Glenn, does mm. anything come naturally to you? Mm. The ability uh, not to speak. The ability to warble. That comes naturally, does it? <laughs> Ready for a little taste? Yeah, I am. <laughs> Here we go. If I could do it without smiling. <laughs> oh, it just doesn't Part of the problem so is you're looking at me. All right. That came naturally. That came naturally. Just one day that, that happened. You didn't have to practice that at all? That just I was out. in the bathroom. I was pooping. And all of a sudden, like that. Why? <laughs> but why? Why did you do it? Just... It just came naturally one okay. day. All right. Well, so Grumman's full of shit. Some things do come naturally. Yeah, they do come naturally. Uh, I think that they're saying that that... Um, how in these other dimensions people just have magic stuff happening all the time and people have the ability to intuitively know things and you can run an alethiometer alethiometer thank you yeah uh you can just run alethiometer if you've got a book next to you um but in our dimension none of that stuff works they see another balloon magisterium perhaps flare goes up they've been spotted john creates a stiff wind so he uses his magic powers for the first time, creates a nice stiff wind, scoots them along, yeah. but can't outrun the Zeppelins. So John uses lightning to kill Zeppelins. Yes. Pretty fancy. But there were four Zeppelins, and he only had enough strength to take three of them down. Or five. There was, three, there was a Zeppelin Yeah, left. I thought there was like a couple left, but there was definitely one left for sure. Yeah. Um, then they, which I thought was strange, they were able to kind of outrun the Zeppelins a little bit so that they can go land the balloon and quickly deflate it and hide it. 
Yep. I thought it would take a lot longer than five minutes to deflate a balloon and hide it, but all right. Then they go take a little sleep. And uh, Lee has dreams about John controlling specters uh, to have them kill some of the guys in the Zeppelin, so there's more than one still around. Yeah, uh, yeah, so, and yeah. another another dream where then he like wakes up and goes nah, and then he goes back to sleep and then there's birds killing another zeppelin and yeah. he finds out uh, when he wakes up he sees a zeppelin burning in the forest in the distance so this is John just bragging like letting him see through clairvoyance like look what I'm doing I guess so not gonna have a great night's sleep tonight because I'm too busy showing off yeah but again he is too weak to bring down the final zeppelin. Lee wants to leave since there's so much death going on, but his demon says, survival first, morals later. Pretty tits. <laughs> yeah, Lee didn't like shooting the people. I know, he was very he sensitive had, about it. He had a rifle with 30 bullets, mm-hmm. and there were 25 enemies, right? Yeah, Tartan soldiers. Um, so then they wind up going to the mountain, to this valley between them, and then that's where the gunfight goes. And he tells John, I will stay here to hold yeah. them back. You take off. Do you promise you will not? Uh, that you'll take care of Lyra. And he goes, yes. And then he makes him do this big, long promise speech. Yeah. And John goes, uh-huh. Yep. Yep. And then takes off. And we find out later he just lied. <laughs> He's not going to keep his word. Uh, and then, yeah, apparently there's only like 25 or something in these uh, these people. And he just, like, picks them all off perfectly because yeah. he's this perfect shot. And he's got one bullet left. And he feels bad. Every time he kills a guy, he's like, no, oh, that's that's a yeah. shame. Oh, that's a shame. And uh, But then his little uh, Hester keeps saying, keep going. And then finally he blows up the Zeppelin. And, and that was the end of it. But we should mention that he got shot a couple of times in this firefight. Yeah, I guess died. I skipped over that part. Yeah, he died. Yeah. He died. Lee Scorsby's he, dead. Well, we sort of talked about that before with the uh, I know, Seraphina not coming to his aid. And when she did, she's like, oh, he's dead. That's why he was texting. Chapter 15. Blood moss. Seraphina hears Lee's call, but it's too late. Uh, Lena Felt scopes out the oncoming group and sees demonless zombies at Mrs. Coulter commands. Uh, and then I sort of skip through and say that Will's got, uh, he returns to camp to find two angels waiting for him, known as Watchers. Want to give a little rundown, Ben? You want to flesh this out? Now that you're allowing me to do the format right now? You didn't interrupt no. me once. You got anything you want to say now? No, that was flawless. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, well, uh, this chapter is, well, it's the last chapter in this book. Mm-hmm. So it's setting up the final battle and kind of setting the stage for who everyone is. So that essay header, the title mm. of chapter 13. Yeah. So there's some back and forth over what that word is. In mm-hmm. the previous chapter, they said that the word means God destroyer. And I think the witches said that Esaheter <laughs> is Lyra. Is Lyra. Oh, I missed that part. That's what they said in chapter 13. But then in chapter 15, we find out that Esaheter is the subtle knife. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's confusing. So Nothing it, is nailed. That's what I said earlier. Nothing's nailed down. So it means God destroyer, but it's there seems to be disagreement over whether that's a lighter or the knife, but I think it's concluded with the knife is the God destroyer. Yeah. And so they got to get the knife to Lord Azrael, basically. Mm-hmm. So he can kill God, which no one has a problem with. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's on board with this. Like, again, God must really be a jerk. And I, I'm waiting for So the third book is considerably longer than the first two. Oh, is it? Yeah. I think it's a good 200 pages longer than this one that we just read. Oh boy. Um, can you handle that buddy? <laughs> For the love of God. But all right, fine. We've dedicated ourselves to this. Yeah. John finally met up with Will 
Mm-hmm. And right at the second that the two of them realized that they were father and son, mm-hmm. the witch came and killed John. Because, yeah. <clears throat> because do you want to say why the witch killed him? He wouldn't sleep with her. That's right. And then she says, he grabs her demon, and she's like, don't, you know, don't hurt my demon. And he's like, why'd you kill my dad? She goes, basically her answer is like, you wouldn't understand, you're too young. <laughs> so yeah. that was hilarious. Which goes back to chapter six. The quote was, a witch offers you love. You should take it. Yeah, that's um, true. I guess that's, you know. That's, well, you have to. The consequences right? are. Otherwise, I'll chase you down and, and kill, kill you in front you. of your son. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he was the one that pulls out the blood moss. Because um, he, when for some reason, Will just starts going up the hill, like up the side of the mountain or whatever. And he doesn't even know why. He's just climbing up that thing. And then finally his arm Yeah, he kind of like woke up in the middle of the night. Yeah, he couldn't sleep or whatever, so he started Yeah, yeah it's because his hand hurt. Yeah. Uh, but so they yeah, just he, going he, up the They said that it hurt less if he kept moving or something. Is that... Oh, I don't know. That, something like that. Up, but yeah, it was... He was... He didn't know why he was doing it, really. But he climbs up, and he gets grabbed by the arm, and you think, uh-oh, tar-tar, and then uh, it's his dad. And then he realizes, oh, you're the holder of the knife. And then he says, oh, are you my dad? I don't know how the conversation went. But, well, but it was, then, it yeah, was like sudden, dark out, and then wasn't there like a flash of light or something? And then mm-hmm. they... And we recognize his dad's face? Right at the second. Well, yeah, how was it that it's they recognized him? Dressed like something. a hippie with a big beard and everything? You wouldn't recognize your dad's face. It was in the eyes. <laughs> the eyes never lie. Yeah. But I love that right as they uh, he gives them the blood moss and they start to talk about like what he's doing and and what Will should do. And Will says, I don't want to do anything with the knife. I'm tired of using this knife. I don't want to fight any battles with this. And he goes, you'll do it because you're a hero. You've already done this already. And then Will says, okay, I'll do it. And zoop, there's an arrow right through his dad's chest. Yeah. <laughs> that was an amazing way to end that whole interaction. But before all this, Lena felt goes on a reconnaissance mission to scope out the oncoming group and sees demonless zombies at Mrs. Coulter commands. They act like people who have been attacked by specters. She sees Mrs. Coulter and is ready to shoot an arrow, but instead says, I want to make myself invisible. I'm going to go spy on her, which is her biggest problem because she sees Mrs. Coulter. Uh, I have can control the specters now, but she yep. starts seducing Lord Boreal yeah. uh, to get her to say like, you know, why he's chasing after Will and Perry. Um, She's really flirting him up, working a little bit of like magic, I'm sure. And yeah. uh, his demon gets all sexy, which is kind of hard to read. Well, yeah, the demons were kind of making out, kind of making out. But it turns out Coulter's monkey demon was just distracting the yep. serpent demon, and then Mrs. Coulter poisoned his drink, Boreal's drink. And yep. But he does say that Will has the subtle knife, also known as the acid. Yeah. So that's like destroyer. that's where we learn, like that's what that word means. Yeah. Not that it's Lyra. Um, so, but I mean, is that correct? Because the witches think it's Lyra, right? I the swear God I saw that in like a previous chapter, but yeah. So, I, so is there just disagreement over whether the knife or Lyra is so the God why, Destroyer? Why does this book have very straightforward, moving the plot forward kind of stuff? But then if it comes to this and they have this weird sort of back and forth where the characters are confused, why is that in there on this part but not nowhere else in the book? I don't know. So it just throws us off altogether because there's no consistency in the narrate, like it the storytelling. Makes you want to read the third book, though, doesn't it? Yeah, Answer all so. these questions. Uh, oh, so Mrs. Coulter sees Lena. Uh, well, she, Mrs. Coulter knew that she was there the whole time. No, she did. But she's like, do you think you're hiding from me? So she like let her watch this whole thing. Yeah. Then I wrote down, and I put a question mark next to this because I got confused on the part. So she has a specter do what to Lena's demon? 
just you grab can, it. Like, consume it, basically, right? Yeah, but isn't the demon a soul? Because I wrote down sucks a soul, question mark. <laughs> I think it's just, like, surrounded, because like, the specters are kind of... They're not solid objects. No. Are they? They're... They're supposed to be just clouds of energy as far as you can or whatever. Tell. Yeah, yeah. and so I think fog. the specters just, like, surrounded and consumed the demon, pretty much. Yeah, I got the impression that the demon or that the the demon didn't die, but just became like soulless or whatever. That's the reason I put a big question mark next to it because then you know she did it to uh, Lena too. But yeah. it's like so. I thought when you die, the demon dies. And is it just if, if the demon has a soul? Then what the hell's a demon? Well, I wonder if it was more like going back to the first book when they're in Bolvanger separating the demons from the children. Is this? Yeah. Surrounding the demon with a specter, just a way of separating it from the witch, and um, they're just no, like, the demon's still there, but they're no longer connected because the specter is in the way. See. I bet you it's all tied up neatly in the third book. Yeah, can't wait. That's why it's two hundred pages longer. A lot, the, a lot of the questions we posed would be answered in the second book, and they were only because they were tacked on in the beginning. Yeah. Like we joked about, like I think the author's just like, oh, I've been hearing a lot of complaints about these things. So let's just wrap this up real quick. There, yeah. done. So there's two hundred pages of that in the third book. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. So there's gonna be a lot of that. So yeah, but at some point in this chapter, this is the last chapter, right? Yes. Um, we find out that Lyra's name is. The witches say her name is. You don't know. That's a header. Eve. Oh, that's right, Eve. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've got it right here too. That was one of the four I notes like, I made on this your chapter. Your eyes went up and down and up and down, and then you just kind of went as a header. Eve. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so she's Eve, which means that there's a uh, the serpent doctor is. We got that. We and got so is Wilbury Adam. I guess. So the the original war I hope Adam is, is being actually set up all over bear. again. <laughs> I hope Yurik Bjarnason turns out to be Adam. Uh, I'd be really disappointed if we never saw another bear again. I know. They make such I a big see. deal out of him in the first book. But yeah, nothing yeah. in the second book, yeah. Yeah, so there you go. No bears, yeah. So, Ben, yeah. what are your thoughts on this book, just in general? Boy, I can't wait for all these questions to get answered in the third book. In right? the first chapter of the third book? Uh-huh. Yeah. We're out of time. <laughs> nope, you got to finish your thoughts, Ben. You okay. always do this. I say, what's your general thoughts on this chapter? And you're like, I don't know. So, come on, you can do this one. We've, we're two books in. you got to have an opinion on the book overall. Well, I think this book made pretty clear why there's criticism for this trilogy uh, amongst yeah. Amongst religious folks, calling God a tyrant and whatnot, and there's yeah. basically a, everyone's trying to kill God. <laughs> no. <laughs> and again, no one questions it. I can't stop yeah. driving that point home. Everyone's just like, "Yeah, okay, the angels are right. Let's kill God." And it's like, Ugh. um, I think I was more expecting that it was an anti-religious message in this book, like thanks to religion and the institutions around it, the world is corrupted and all this kind of stuff. That's not the case. God exists and so does and the whole biblical story exists for real in this book. Yeah. It's just that churches aren't honest. Yeah. So it's not really like anti-religious. It's really. anti-God. But only because people are picking the side of the angels, which follows the original story in the Old Testament yeah. to begin with. So it's not I mean, anti-religion. The- it's just like 
in this story, everyone's picking the side of the, the fallen angels. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, and I guess the religious institutions in Lyra's world, at least, seem... Like yeah, the very, magisterium yeah. aren't nice people. Very con- uh, corrupt and controlling and everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's hope the third book really smooths out all the wrinkles for us. Are you enjoying the trilogy thus far? Are you? Uh, you seem to indicate you're getting a little sick of it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm a little burnt out on the story, and I don't know why. When I think about it, the book is entertaining and well-written, but being an adult reading it, there's so many details. Any other show, like, I don't know, I've never really watched Star Trek, but Star Trek has base rules. Like, this is how things operate. This is how people interact with each other. These are kind of the base rules, and that's always in the story. This book kind of sets up base rules and then sort of farts around with them. Well, so that's my opinion. Uh, the book uh, doesn't nail down things it sticks with. That's my only takeaway. I gotta say, selfishly, I'm kind of glad you're getting annoyed. I think that's going to amuse me when we're talking about the third book. So Dick. That, that pleases me to hear that. Great. Fine. Yeah. I hate that with all my heart. Um, so what's up next? Morrissey. The list of the lost. Is that what it's called? Do you know anything? I didn't really read the description. I just, I just know who Morrissey is and what terrible. he's turned into. Yeah. Uh, just a horrible horrible little alt-right kind of guy now. And I came across this book just, it was a Wikipedia, mm-hmm. like, list article of uh, poorly reviewed books. <laughs> so that's about all I know about it. And yeah, I just am aware of what an insufferable jerk Marcy is. Yeah, he turned into a horrible human being. I wonder if Sarah Silverman's got any uh, hot takes <laughs> on his, like, if she does, like, the little quote, like, boy, did I think Morrissey was a jerk until... I read this and it's genius. <laughs> yeah. So the description, the Wikipedia article I had about it. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, it's only 128 pages. So even shorter than Bob Honey. Holy poop. So that's good. Um, yeah. But all it says, uh, a novel about a 1970s American sprint team written by <laughs> 1980s rock star Morrissey. <laughs> Reviews were uniformly negative, often bordering on hostile. <laughs> so... The subject is a 1970s sprint team? Yeah, like like track and field, like sprinters, I think. Oh my so, god, I cannot wait to see what this is going to be about. But if the reviews were hostile, that's <laughs> really insane. Yeah, I wonder if I'm going to wind up getting uh, confused and muddled by this, just like I did with um, the Bob Honey one, because I started finding myself trying to figure out if he... If Sean Penn was, you know, like I said before, like trying to write in a certain way yeah. in the voice of the kid. So I was like trying to give him more credit than he deserved, trying real hard to make this not a horrible book. I wonder yeah. if this is going to happen with Morrissey. Uh, but anyway, that, like I said, that I ordered a physical copy of it. It's mm-hmm. not set to arrive until next week. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, so I think next week when we talk, it's going to be about the movie, the we movie watched. that we watched. We live text our, each other, yeah, too. We watch from our respective couches, but mm-hmm. we, we synchronize it. We started at exactly the same time. Yep. And texted <laughs> each other, which was reminding me, back when I was in college, like 20 years ago, one of my roommates mm. had, a, had a girlfriend who lived on the other side of the state. And, and they do crap like they I know. Send realized... the phone and watch Dawson's Creek together on the phone. Oh. You ever watch Dawson's Creek? No, I never did. I yeah. catch snippets back when it was on TV live. And yeah. I was like, this is annoying. Yeah. So and they'd I watch was, it together. They would, yep, sit on, like, and this was 
kind of not pre-cell phone, but not everyone in the house had a. I don't think I had a cell phone at that point. So, sure, they were tying up the landline for like an hour. <laughs> like I, I knew that I couldn't make any phone calls like at 8 p.m. on Tuesdays because because oh, Dawson's Creek was on. That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we we was uh, it was definitely a little sappy and a little gross that we were doing this, but you know we got a podcast to think of. We had to do it in tandem. We had to live text each other. And it was uh, getting pretty heated with our disgust uh, during the texts. Like, at first we started out kind of excited, where it's like, oh, yeah. oh yeah. boy, that was pretty crappy. And yeah, oh, we're, having, like we're having fun with it. Yeah. And then towards the end, it's like, this sucks. And yeah. then they screwed that up. It and then towards terrible. the end, we are just silent. Yeah. <laughs> like the last 15 minutes or so of the movie just had nothing to say to each other. I think our texts were negative, often bordering on hostile. <laughs> I think so. I had to follow it up by watching Good Night and Good Luck on Netflix just to kind of clear the palate. Yeah. So I could feel like I'm a I just, watched a real movie. I just cried myself to sleep. Well, yeah. do you uh do you want to say the like and subscribe and thanks for listening and then end it with your screaming of book boys? No. I feel like you just spoiled everything that I could have done there. (laughs) Go on, Ben. No? Yeah. Give give it a listen. Tell your friends. (laughs) Subscribe. Write a review. Book boys! Oh, God. (laughs) I just realized with uh, the girlfriend sitting upstairs, she just heard that. Yeah. That's uh, the first human being besides the two of us to hear that live echoing through the house. Well, but how many human beings have heard me scream "fuck boys"? Uh, the Dozens. people in the garage when we were when after our meal when we were going through the parking ramp, yeah, uh, you screamed it there, and I remember seeing a middle-aged woman at the other end kind of look a little nervous. Well, <laughs> yeah, I would, I would too. Mm-hmm. If I was in her shoes, I think we should never have dinner, like go out to get to something to eat or whatever, before podcasting ever again. Because, yeah, that was painful. Yeah, our conversation because we can't talk about anything. Yeah. So we're trying to find something off topic, and it's just down to like. Yeah, you found something really off topic. Thanks for that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I can't bring that up on here. This that we can't use that story as like a little at yeah. the end or the beginning kind of conversational stuff fluff. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to talk about that ever again. <laughs>